coming and being with us this morning. We praise the Lord for your presence and just thank God for this wonderful, wonderful day. And, uh, you know, I was thinking the other day, there was one day this week, it was kind of raining a little bit, and I was thinking, you know, God, it's just a wonderful day. And I made that comment to somebody, you know, like, uh, Preacher, you do realize it's raining, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, but God's in charge of that too. Right. It's an awesome day. I'm going to tell you, it's pretty, been a pretty difficult week for me. I, I started out uh, pretty early in the week. I don't remember now if it was Monday or Tuesday. And it came upon an accident, and the person was still trapped in their vehicle, and we had to try to get them out and so forth. And, and subsequently, since then, I've learned that he passed away. But it's been a pretty tough week to just experience that. But, you know, it's reminded me that just like that, life can change so drastically. Um, and, you know, it was weird because I was complaining about my GPS. Uh, I thought, I know where I'm going, but I put in my GPS because I'm probably, probably the shortest way. And most of the time I do it, if I don't know, if I do know where I'm going, I'm putting there sometimes just for the time factor. So I know about what time I'm going to be there because I'm trying to keep on schedule somewhat. And, and I kept complaining, this GPS took me the wrong way. It took me the wrong way. And I still say it took me the wrong way. But in God's terms, it took me the right because it had to be where I was supposed to be at that time. And the, uh, you know, the most difficult part of that was that the family members came up on the scene because they were called and this happened and they were there. And, and then uh, uh, one of the police officers asked, he said, is there a chaplain in the group? And I'm like, no, I'm not a chaplain, but I am a minister. He said, that'll do it. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I had to minister to the family a little bit and, and share with them some. But uh, guys, I'm going to tell you, you never know. And I believe that you know, just maybe more alert to what the scripture says, be instant in season, out of season. You know, be ready, be prepared, because you don't know. You don't always have time to prepare something to say or something to do. So this is what I say to you this morning. What I want you to, we're going to be in the book of James, by the way. If you want to be turning to what I'm rambling on. Uh, James chapter 3, we'll start in verse 13. We're kind of doing a series through James, if y'all haven't figured that out. Uh, and uh so since I started this, I was doing a little research, and I found uh, I found another uh, outline of James, and I thought, man, I wish I'd have found that before I started, but I, I'll I'll be uh, I'll be good to you. I'll go back and start over. Um, but you know, this this is what I want to say to you is that your personal testimony is the most important, most valuable thing that you have outside of the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and I'm going to say it could be the most important thing because you wouldn't have that testimony without Jesus. Not a scriptural testimony, a spiritual testimony. And then I say that, and I think, when did my testimony begin? It began when I was born, or even before, perhaps. But, uh, you know, if you can, can remember, Janine asked this morning the question we were singing, what, what do you have to be thankful for? Or do you have something to be thankful for? Absolutely we do. All of us do. Uh, and not to be funny, or wasn't trying to be funny, but but yeah, I woke up this morning, and that's something to be thankful for. I take it for granted seven days a week. We go to bed at night, assuming what? We're going to wake up in the morning, right? We're going to get up, and everything's going to be okay, it's going to be all right. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've got a cousin who has a birthday tomorrow, I think, uh, who had a stroke and still in the hospital in Jackson. One morning, he just he woke up, but he couldn't get up, so... Uh, guys, just, we never know. We never know. But your testimony is the greatest tool that you have. 
you know, we have the Bible, and we have all the Scripture, and, and we know that. We have the power of prayer. We know that. But, you know, if I can look at someone and I can share with them the Word of God says, and the power of prayer is, and then I can share what God has done, it means a whole lot more to them if it's on a personal level than it does if I'm just speaking words from out here somewhere. So live out your salvation. Let the Lord do His work in you every day. Today we're going to talk about true wisdom. Last week we talked about the tongue. Uh, i got to do a little bit more rambling. I'm going to tell you something. God has whipped the tar out of me this week about that tongue. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> I thought, I don't, I, hey, I don't mind telling you. I think about myself, I think I'm a pretty good guy. I, I, I try to do right and try to act right. And then I have realized this week, because God said it in the forefront of my mind, at, at least five or six times this week, I've had, to, I've had to say to people, I'm sorry, I will not go there because I preached on the tongue Sunday and I can't be a hypocrite. So I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to go there. So, uh, you know, and, and every time they would say, what? What were you talking about? I'm like, okay, here you go. So God gives me an opportunity to share some more. But uh, truism, and we talked about the tongue and, so, and, and who can control the tongue, retaining the tongue. We talked about it last week. And so today we're going to talk about true wisdom, some instruction perhaps for the tongue as well as other uh, members. Okay? Uh, let's begin reading in, in James chapter 3, verse 13. The scripture says, Who is a wise man? And endued with knowledge among you. Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter ending and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then it's peaceable, and then gentle, and easy to be entreated, it's full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of the righteousness, or the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Okay? So let's talk about these verses for just a few minutes. We've got what six or seven verses there. But I want you to uh, uh, to notice the very first thing that, that just and it just kind of jumped out at me, and it's like the Lord spoke to me about this. Verse thirteen says, "Who is, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Who is? What does who is mean to you? When you read that, what does it say to you? Anybody? Help me out. What person? Okay. What person? Who is to me?" First off, is a call to be what he seeks to describe. Okay? It's a call to me to be that. Who is a person that is wise and knowledgeable? It's a call to me to become that wise person and knowledgeable person. The second thing it is to me is it is a signal to look for. Look for that wise and knowledgeable person. Guess where we find wisdom and knowledge? Uh, we go to our teachers, we go to our dictionaries, our encyclopedias, we, go to, we think about our colleges, we think about our schools and so forth. Gray hair. But, but let me tell you, do I have to say? Gray hair. Gray hair or no hair. Uh, it could be either way. <laughs> I 
I told somebody one day, I was trying to hear a great one I had because what wasn't great was gone, and I don't even know what those are anymore. So, uh, you know, so I'm kind of proud of the greatness. But you're right. With gray hair, we associate that with wisdom. We should. Uh, because I'm going to tell you something. Most people that live life have some knowledge of what's going on. They have some wisdom of what's going on. And if I could roll back about 30 years or 40 years, probably, let me go back about 40, 42, 45 years. One of the things that I would change in my life, if I could, is I would listen to those that had the gray hair. <laughs> those that were the older people that, that would say these things, and I'd think, yeah, but you know, that was your time. This is my time. It's going to be different. Anybody else think that besides me? Sure. We all did, and we all figured out, you know, they were right. Somebody said to me the other day, we live in a different world. Nope. We live in the same world, tainted, troubled, trials and tribulations everywhere, but it is the same world. You know what? The scripture teaches us there's nothing new under the sun. And here we are, you know, thinking, oh, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this is happening. And happening again and again. Let me tell you about Israel. Israel was the nation that, that would be, they were God's chosen people. They were blessed of God in every area. And yet they would defy God in every area. They would they would get to that point where they thought they were invincible, they thought they didn't need God anymore, they didn't have to pray anymore, they didn't have to worship anymore, and then they would fall away, of course, what's happening, they're falling away, and they get taken captive, and then they'd come back. God always had a remnant, though, and I'm telling you, he's got a remnant now. And guys, uh, just for what this is worth, and this, this isn't really part of the sermon, but I'm going to tell you something. Wake up, pay attention, be alert, and be ready, because the church is going to be persecuted. And it's going to happen very quickly. It's going to happen a lot quicker than most people are thinking. And uh, I believe it's already begun, and it's only going to get worse as time goes on. So, here's what I'm saying to you. Make sure you're grounded in your faith. Make sure what your faith is about. If your faith is about uh, being good, looking good, feeling good, you know, being in a good place, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. If your faith is about standing for Jesus Christ, no matter what the cost, you're going to be able to stand, but you're going to be persecuted. I promise you it's going to happen. So we've got to make a decision as an individual. And we've got to make a decision as a church. Are we going to stand for the gospel? And we're going to stand for Jesus Christ? Or are we going to bow down to the world? I mean, it's our choice. And we've got to make it. And, and me, I, I'm choosing to stand for the Lord. And, and I pray for that strength and that wisdom every day to be able to do that. Now then, let me get back to the sermon. Uh, it's a call to look for that kind of person. To look for those character qualities. Well, why, would we, why would we look for those? He tells us that who is a wise man and due to knowledge of money, let him show out of a good conversation of his works or out of a good conversation. That means let him live the life that reflects that wisdom and knowledge. You know, uh, I've I heard the stories, and, and I won't call it names because some of you would know them, and I don't want to embarrass any families or anything else or call attention to any families more than another, but uh, there, were, there, were a certain, there was a certain time when in the county and told the story of, uh, of a man who went to an auction and he went to this auction and he was trying to buy some things and, and there was an old guy there who was sitting over there in a chair, acting as though he wasn't paying much attention, had on his old overalls and, and looked like he didn't have 20 cents to his name and uh, this guy would bid on something and, and the fellow with the overalls would raise his hand and bid a little higher. And they got this bidding award, the guy with the overalls, he just kept getting the bids and he just kept getting them. And finally, this other guy who is dressed in his nice suit and everything, he, he looks around at somebody and he says, who is that man? 
He said, oh, that's the lady that you'll be borrowing your money from Monday morning when you pay for the things that you do manage to buy at this auction. He said, I don't understand that. He said, why is he dressed like that? He said, because he don't want you to know who he is. <laughs> Guys, listen, I want to tell you something. We as Christians do not need to disguise who we are. We need to let the light shine. We need to let Christ live in us. Our conversation that it speaks of in verse uh, 13 is not just our speech. We talk about conversations and things that we talk about. And I think the things we talk about are a reflection of what's going on in our heart. But the way that we live our life is the most reflection of what's going on in our heart. You see, I can, I can talk about doing things that are right and doing things that are just and doing things that are honest and doing things that are pure. And then if my life is something totally different, guess what? <laughs> My heart's tainted. I can't talk the taintedness. I keep making up these words. I can't talk that, that out of my heart. It only comes by giving it to Jesus Christ, putting it under his blood, letting him cleanse us and make us free. Um, and, and, and I wrote a note here, let him show out of good conversation. Let him live a good moral life. I'm going to interject something here. We're in a world today where the word morals is going away. It's going away. And in fact, I wouldn't be afraid to say that in a very short order, in a very, very soon, very short period of time, we're going to find that word as, as almost extinct. And we're going to find people that just as now, people have no idea what you're talking about when you talk about morals. I promise you. Uh, there was a term I used the other day, and I understand this being a little more complicated. I thought I'd never had a conversation, and I'm not going to get into a political aspect. I don't mean to, but uh, he said, uh, he said, what's your, what's your biggest concern about, about this election? I said, my biggest concern is for our country, because I don't want to see us go to socialism. And we're talking on them two or three different times where socialism came up, and, and finally he looked at me, and he said, hey, man, can I ask you something? I said, well, he said, what is socialism? What is that? What are you talking about? I have no idea what that is. And it, it hit me that probably a large percentage of our country has no idea what that is. But listen, guys, you know, we, we don't need to, to disguise who we are. I'm, I'm beginning to read some things, and I'm seeing some things, and I'm hearing some things, and I'm afraid that we've got a lot of quote-unquote Christians who are going to begin to hide under the carpet. Now, I'm not going to tell you that we will not be at a point one day where we perhaps have to be the underground church. We may have to be. In order to stay alive and continue the gospel and preaching the gospel, it's happening all around the world. And I really don't know why we should be any different when we, when we brought this stuff on ourselves. So it's going, to, it's going to happen. But live a good moral life. Secondly, let his works be with meekness. And that word meekness is with humility. That comes from wisdom. Okay? So we're going to talk about the wisdom. Let it be with the humility that comes from wisdom. His works with humility that comes from wisdom. Now, we see a lot of good works being done. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. And I don't want to judge middle people. I try not to be. But sometimes I see good things being done. But, but they're done with an ulterior motive. Um, I, I, I just, I don't know, it, it bothers me when I see politicians that, that, that do some act of kindness and they want to get their picture made and a big story written about doing this, uh, 
because it's politically valuable to them. And I, that irritates the life out of me. If you don't do it, do it for the right reason. If you're not, then, then be a politician and tell what you're going to do and not going to do, but don't try to play on the emotions of people. And, and that's what happens. But, but let his works be with meekness, humility that comes from wisdom. Now here's what I want you to do. Look back with me. We're going through the book of James. James chapter 1 and verse 5 says this. Now where is that wisdom going to come from? This is what I want you to see. This is the good part of it. Most important part of the whole sermon is right here. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Hmm. You know what it means, liberally and upbraideth not? It means he gives it in abundance, and he doesn't give it so that you can get a haughty spirit and you can say, oh, I've got more wisdom than you do. The wise man doesn't look at someone else and say, I'm wiser than you are. The wise man says, I put my faith and trust in the Lord and I seek Him. Remember last week I told you the Cowboys prayer, if we taste our words before we spit them out, we might do things a little bit differently or say them a little bit differently. And I think we need to savor and just kind of mill over those words and figure out what we're going to say before we do it. But if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God that give it to all men, liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. So if you want wisdom, where do you get it? I'm going to go to college, and I'm going to go read another book, and I'm going to get another degree. Mm -mm. Wisdom comes from God. Knowledge may come from the colleges and universities. I'm not going to say it's all good, but wisdom comes from God. And we don't have that wisdom if we don't ask for that wisdom. We don't get it if we don't seek it. And how do we seek it? We seek it by reading His Word. We seek it by spending time in prayer. We seek it by living out the things that He tells us. And you know one of the good things I like about serving the Lord is that typically, I'm not going to say that He will not, but typically, He doesn't save someone today and send them to Africa to be a missionary tomorrow. Or to wherever. Does He? Y'all are looking at me really funny. Y'all say something he doesn't usually save them today instead of after to the next day. There's a process of teaching and training and growing and learning and spending time in the Word and gaining that wisdom. And God begins to, and see, we ask for it. As we read, we're asking God to give us wisdom. I want to tell you, I don't believe we should ever read the Scripture without praying over that and saying, God, I want you to speak to me today from what I'm going to read. I don't care if you're reading the begets and the begots. Ask God to speak to you. Because the begets and begots are important too, right? This is on, this is on. Just in case y'all forgot. Sure they are. The begets and begots are important too. And, and it tells us the lineage and so on and so forth. But listen, ask God to tell you something from his word. Seek that wisdom. And the scripture says if we ask God who gives it to us freely, then he will give it. Just like salvation. If we seek the Lord, we shall find Him. And if we seek His wisdom, we shall find it. So, uh, Webster's Dictionary says this. Wisdom. This is what it says about wisdom. Wisdom is the quality. Brace yourself. The quality of being wise. Isn't that profound? <laughs> Y'all are like, oh man. It's one of those days, the quality of being wise. But he goes a little further. He says the power of judging rightly and following the soundest 
course of action. That's the, the real meat to wisdom. The quality of being wise, we know that. We know it is the quality of being wise. But it's the power of judging rightly and following the sound course of action. So, so wisdom is that I can, I can weigh it out, I can see it, and I can say, okay, I've got this option, this option, this option, and this is the best option, and that's the option I take. And I'll follow the path that the Lord will lay before me. I might add to that that in spiritual wisdom, we're going to pray about it and ask God to give us the instruction. Ask God to show us what is the best path. Ask Him to show us what is the right way. And ask Him to give us the, the right action to take. So here's the thing. Uh, he tells us in, in, uh, in verse 14 some things I think that, uh, that our heart has to be clear of. The hearts have to be clear of bitter envy and of strife in your hearts. Glory not and lie not against the truth. If those things are clouding our heart or crowding our heart, then we don't have room for God's wisdom. You know, I, I'm going to tell you, there are, um, there are many opportunities in ministry for envy and for uh, jealousy. They're, they're there. Um, you know, I, I'm just telling you. And, and sometimes I, uh, I had a preacher friend who said that, and we used to do this quite a bit on Wednesday nights, something we haven't done in a long time. But we used to take, I remember we had testimonial services and people just had something we'll share or whatever they would share or share the testimony or whatever. Uh, and one preacher friend said, I won't ever do that. I said, why? He said, because somebody tells something and somebody else feels like they got to tell something a little better. And somebody else feels like they got to do a little better than that. Somebody else feels like they got to do a little better than that. And I'm like, really? I never thought about it in that context until he told me that. And I, I never looked at it that way until he told me that. But, you know, there are opportunities in ministry for envy and jealousy. You know, well, God seems to have blessed them, their ministry more than mine. Uh, you know, I could look around and, and say there are, there are pastors that have been in churches for five or six years and they've grown by leaps and bounds. And I've been here 40 years or almost 35 years. And, you know, we haven't grown that much. We've gone up and down and up and down and up and down. You know, I'm not envious or jealous. I'm just thankful that God's given us the opportunity to give us. That's what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful he's allowed us to reach the people we've reached. I'm thankful he's allowed me to preach the time that he's given me. I'm thankful that he's, uh, you know, continuing to give messages from his word. You know, we can we can be jealous about all kinds of different things. Uh, I had a pulpit committee one time that met with me, and, and they uh, they actually wanted to to talk about. I actually met with me here, and they wanted to talk about. You know, our church can offer you this, 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 and this. And I said no. No, we don't talk about those things. Uh, another pulpit committee I met with one time, there was one lady on the committee that said, uh, I told the chairman, I said, there's two things we don't talk about. One is we don't talk about salary, we don't talk about any kind of benefits, anything like that. I said, we just don't talk about it. He said, um, well, we're, we're kind of geared toward, that's what we have to talk about. I said, well, better geared toward something else because I'm not talking about that. He said, I don't understand. I said, well, Here's my thing. Guys, I don't mind telling you. I ain't human. I am. Anybody shocked? <laughs> so no, they're not at all. I am human. And human beings can be swayed by those kind of things. And in the flesh, I could look and say, well, you know, you got a church that pays you this, and you got a church that's offering you this. Old friend of mine asked me one time, he said, Preacher, why is it that, that pastors, God never calls them to a smaller congregation with a lesser salary? He said, He just never does that. I said, Why? I said, well, my, my thoughts would have to be that somebody's probably not listening to God. I don't know. <laughs> and I knew that's where he was going. 
He said, you know, our church loses pastor after pastor. Every time they go to a bigger church with a bigger salary, he said, I just don't understand that. Well, you know, I see it happening, but, uh, you know, but, but here's the thing. That's what we're going to talk about. This one lady, she's like, oh, yeah, we're going to talk about it. We're in this room, and we're going to talk about it. And, and I left their room, and I was about to, and, and, and she's like, where are you going? I said, I told you, I'm not going to talk about that. It's, it is not the thing that I want to talk about. Let's talk about ministry. Let's talk about what I believe and, and how I feel and my views and, you know, what I believe about Scripture. Let's talk about what you believe about Scripture. Let's talk about what your church believes about Scripture, where your church stands on missions and so on and so forth. And, and literally, there were people in the room that were going, we're supposed to be talking about that? Guys, it's, it's embarrassing sometimes, some of these things. There's plenty of, plenty of room for, for jealousy and envy. But we have to get beyond those things. We have to resist those things. If you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Now, there's a couple of different things that, that we can talk about today. I don't want to spend the whole day because I really I thought this was going to be short. So I, mean, I, I thought um, I had at least three people tell me last Sunday, every time we plan to do something, we preach a long sermon. So, uh, I'm trying not to preach a long sermon, but anyway, I'll just go what the Lord says to do, okay? Our hearts must be clear of bitter envy, of strife, and we must not glory or lie against the truth. You see, what happens is when I begin to be jealous of and envious of, I'll use myself, if I was envious and jealous of another pastor, I begin to make up things about his ministry. You see, I might begin to say things like, well, you know, I understand the church will believe some bounds, but, but is it real growth? Are those people really sincere? And we begin to question those things. You know, we, we get envious of, a, of another person at the job. Well, they don't do their job right. They do this and they do that. And we start, and actually we can begin to make up things, and we have to be careful of that. Guys, if we, and, and this is what I say, if we, let's use the Barney Five term, if we nip it in the bud, nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud, if we don't have the envy and we don't have the jealousy, we don't have to worry about lying against those people, right? We shouldn't. So do not have those things in your, in your heart. Our hearts must be clear of those. And then, here's something else the Scripture says, uh, lie not against the truth, and, and God's Word is the truth. Now, uh, I think, and y'all always know I'm going to the when I get quiet and I'm really searching for more. I'm trying to taste these words while I'm sitting out, okay? But I'm going to tell you something. Um, we tend to, to take God's Word and we, we put our own definition, our own idea of what it means, and then we see where we fit in that. And in fact, I'm going to tell you something. Most of the time, we see where we are and we try to fit God's Word around us. And I want to tell you, I do believe that that is lying against the truth. You see, God's Word says that, that thou shalt not kill. And God's Word says thou shalt not lie. You know the word kill is the word murder. Thou shalt not lie. But we say, man says, if it's a little white lie, it's not so bad. Newsflash, 
You know what the newsflash is? There is no little white line. That's a life line, right? God's word says, thou shalt not steal. But man says, it's okay to cheat on your taxes a little bit because they don't need to know everything that you do, right? <laughs> I, I was amazed when I was in business for myself. I had to. People would ask me this. Routinely, people would ask me this. Well, is it going to be a problem if I write you a check? And I'm like, well, no, I don't guess. You check good. I mean, that's what I thought they were concerned about. And I'm like, no, not as long as your check's good. And they're like, well, I know you might want to hide it from your taxes. <laughs> Can't tell you the number of times I've been told that. It happens. Well, you know, we, we, we cannot take God's word and mold it to fit our lives where our lives should be molded to fit the word of God. And if we do that, I believe we're lying against the truth. God's word is truth, and we must trust in truth. Okay? Uh, therefore, uh, this wisdom, this type of wisdom, is not from God. Verse 15 says, It descendeth not from above. It is earthly, it is sensual, it is devilish. One translation says, It comes from the devil himself. And I, I, I've got. I told y'all before, I have that New Testament that has like four, five, six different translations in it sometimes. And I just, I, I enjoy reading what some of these guys write. It's amazing to me. It comes from the devil himself, and I believe he's right. It does. It comes from the devil himself. Remember, remember last week we read this part, um, verse 5, Even so the tongue is a little member, boasts of great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire killeth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and set it on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire of hell. You know what that means? It's fed by the devil. That's what it literally means. So he reminds us again that, that Satan himself gives that kind of wisdom. And, and guys, I want you to know something. We are in the world where the wisdom is coming from Satan. I'm telling you right now, I, I, I see all this stuff happening around us, and I'm thinking, how can people be so dumb? But then I, I have to remember that people don't have the advantage of knowing the Word of God. Some of them don't know it. Some of them are never going to know it. Some of them don't want to hear it. But, but I believe that He is the answer to all of our problems and all of our questions. I really do. Uh, and then it says in verse 16, where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. With that earthly wisdom, that earthly, sensual, devilishly fed knowledge is going on, envy and strife happen, and they produce confusion, and they produce every evil work. Hmm. Disharmony and all other kinds of evil are going on around us every day. Every day. You know, it's it's um, it's sickening, really, when you, when you look and you, you see... Uh, in Washington, you see the plots here, the plots here, and so on and so forth. And, and I'm told it's kind of the same in state government, and it's kind of the, I see that it's kind of the same in uh, county government, and so forth. And I see the plotting and everything take place. Well, you know, it, it comes, it comes from the envy and strife. They're in power, and I'm envious of that. I don't want to be in power. They're in control, I'm envious of that. I don't control. They have this, I'm envious of that, I want that. And I want this. Now, you know, so on and so forth. And it just goes on and on and on and on. Um, I, uh, 
it, it's a very, very simple example, I guess. But sometimes I see this and, and I think about, uh, since I'm involved in the city, I see some of these things. For example, you know, if the uh, street department's going to get a new truck and that truck may cost uh, $30,000 for a pickup or $25,000 for a pickup truck that they need, and the fire department needs a new truck and it's $350,000. So can you see the difference in why the budget's different for the two? You know? But if you just look at figures on paper, well, they got a $350,000 budget, and I've only got a $30,000 budget. Something's wrong here. You gotta see the whole picture. And guys, that's what we don't see is the whole picture. We must put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ because he sees the whole picture. He knows all of it. Now then he tells us this also, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish up pretty quick. The wisdom that descended. Uh, this wisdom descended not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. And then verse 16, he says, Where envy and strife is, there is confusion, every evil work. 17, the wisdom that is from above. What does God's wisdom look like? First off, it's pure. And what would, what would be a, 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 how would you know wisdom is pure? It's out of the character of God. It shows the character of God. And let me tell you this. When wisdom is pure, it isn't producing envy and strife and confusion and, and all kinds of crazy things. It not only is it pure, but it's peaceable, the scripture says. It's gentle or humble. It's easily entreated. And the word entreated, and I, I look that word up and I say it all around that word, trying to figure out exactly what, what the word entreated is. And the best I can, can tell you is it's easily requested. It's easily received. It's easily obtained. How do we obtain it? Remember James 1 verse 5? What did it say? Uh, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God and it shall be given him. Where do we get it from? We ask God for it. It's easily obtained. It's full of mercy and good fruits. It's without partiality. You know, God doesn't look and say, hey, you know what? I, I, I like Miss Terry, so I'm going to give her wisdom. I don't care about Brother Ricky, so I'm not going to give him anything. God doesn't look and say, well, you know, I, I think that, uh, that this is a, a group over here that's been, been uh, mistreated for a long time, or, you know, whatever. He, he just, he's no partiality with God. And it's not hypocrisy. It, it's always the same. And it is sown in peace. And that's what the scripture says. These are the things written right there in verse 17. Uh, the wisdom that is from above is pure, it's peaceful, it's gentle, it's easy to be entreated, it's full of mercy, it's good and good fruits, it's without partiality, it's without hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness, uh, fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. It's sown in peace of them that make peace. I want to read another verse to you. In fact, I wrote it down so I didn't have to turn to it because it didn't mark it. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9. You know what Matthew chapter 5 is? We call it something. The Beatitudes. And that's the attitude you ought to be like. Okay? Everybody ought to be in that attitude. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9 says, Blessed, we say blessed, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called, do you want to guess what? The children of God. Isn't that exciting? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Hmm. So how are we going to be peacemakers? We're to be so in peace, that is, and, and what is peace? 
What would you, what would you say? Can somebody give me any, any word, any definition for peace? He's been quiet. Quiet? Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's one good definition, quiet. Okay? What else? Somebody come on, tell me something. Contented heart. Contented heart? How about this? If we, if we read this and we read that, that God wants us to have peace and he gives peace and then the ask, he gives it liberally, uh, we're so in peace. How about we're so in unity with God? Hmm. You know, there are cries all across the nation for unity. Um, I'm going to tell you something. As long as there are two men in the same room, there's probably going to be some problems with unity in, in, in the earthly realm, in the physical realm. As long as there are two people in the same room, there's probably going to be some problems with unity. What we need is unity with God. And that's what we would be sowing is unity with God. And guys, we can't sow the unity with God if we're showing disharmony with God. So let's go back to verse 13 and he talks about that conversation, that way of life. Let him show that in his way of life, in the way that he lives in life, in the way that he conducts himself, the way that he carries out his business. And, you know, and, and the list goes on and on. Unity with God and we will reap the fruit of righteousness. We are to be sowing the peace that is unity with God and we will reap the fruit of righteousness. I want to tell you righteousness has become an extinct almost it looks like in our world. Um, we see so much happening, so much going on, so much evil, so much wickedness. And, and somebody asked me the other day, said, do you think it just got this way overnight? Just because of the presidential election? I'm like, No. Been that way for a long, long time. It's been years and years and years in the making and the coming. In fact, I, I believe I could be safe in saying that we could go all the way back to the Garden of Eden and we could find this, right? When God created the first man and the first woman, we began to see evil happening in the world with that first one man and one woman. We began to see evil happening there. And then we begin to see it grow and fester and get worse and get worse. And we saw the jealousy. We saw the envy. We saw the strife. We saw the murder. We saw the confusion. We see the Tower of Babel. And people are trying to outwit God is what they're trying to do. We're going to build a tower to heaven. We're going to go up there. What are you going to build a tower to heaven for? You're going to go up there and try to overrule God? I don't know. You know, they have their own ideas, their own agenda. Well, let me tell you something. Unity with God is the only thing that brings real peace. How do we get unity with God? First off, we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Secondly, we not only trust Him, but we trust Him daily. We trust Him in all things. Not only do we give our hearts and lives to Him, but we live for Him. Um, can, I, can I share something with you? And I don't want to make anybody mad. I hope that I'm going to do it sometime. I'm going to apologize for it. I'm just going to tell you that with the word, say what it says. And that's this. Most of the time, if we would if we would live out those things that we say we believe about Christianity, our lives would be a lot more peaceable. Oh, yeah. A lot more peaceable. How often, how often do we uh, do we spurt out those things and we you know and I can go through a long list of things that we do but guys if we know that we put our faith and trust in him and like I said last Sunday what if we 
prayed about what to say before we said it, and we didn't say it until God gave us what to say until we answered the prayer. How much better off would we be? Save a lot of confusion with it. Save a lot of strife, a lot of envy, a lot of battling. Keep down a lot of the, the, the chatter, so to speak. But guys, we have to, our conversation, our way of life has to reflect Jesus Christ. It has to reflect the gospel that we say we believe. And I'm afraid in too many churches, too many Christians, too many people who say they believe, it's not reflected at all in their lifestyle. Someone told me the other day, he said, or a couple of weeks ago, something said, you know what one of the things I like about you as a preacher is? And I said, what's that? I haven't you never have any idea what's coming. <laughs> you know. I said, what's that? And they said, you don't go around preaching to us all the time. I'm not sure that's a compliment or what. I ain't sure. You know, it's not my responsibility to nag you every time you throw out a four-letter word or something. You know, uh, I think I have a responsibility to call your attention to it if it's consistent and it keeps on. Um, but, you know, when, when somebody, and, and what about this? What about this? What about when somebody looks at you, and, and they do this to me quite a bit, and I'm sure they do this to some of you, when somebody looks at you and they say, well, well forgive my language, but... <laughs> what does that tell you? They know better. You're exactly right, Miss Terry. I'm thinking, if you wouldn't say it to your mama, don't say it to me. If some of the things you would say to your mama, don't say it to me. <laughs> you know, I don't hear it. <laughs> they had conviction. They had, exactly. They knew it was wrong. I, and, and, and this is kind of what it says to me. I know it's wrong, but I'm going to say it anyway. And somebody says, well, you'll have to forgive me for doing this, but I'm going to do it anyway. What's the tell you? We have to oppress the truth. <laughs> That's exactly right. We're oppressing the truth. We're lying against the truth to do what we want to do. Guys, we need to begin to live out this salvation. I want to tell you something. I believe we are in the last days. I really do. I'm not trying to be the preacher of gloom and doom. I don't want to be the one that, that says, oh, tomorrow the world's coming to an end. I'm not going to do that. I'm not that foolish. But I can tell you this. We are very close. We are very close. And, and you know, as I, I, I think I made a Wednesday night, I said it. A preacher friend of mine used to say, his son reminded me the other day, but a preacher friend of mine used to say, if God doesn't do something soon, he's going to have to apologize to Solomon tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, think about that. That's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? I mean, you know how wicked Solomon tomorrow was, right? They were so wicked, God destroyed them. Hmm. And I remember when the pandemic first began, I had at least 10 people ask me, Preacher, do you think, you think this is the beginning of the end? I said, oh, we're on our way there. I promise you that. We need to be ready because it's coming. It's coming. Do you think that, you think that the, the rapture is going to happen sometime soon? I've been expecting it to happen for 50 years. I have. At any time. And it's 50 years closer now. Much closer than it's ever been before. Guys, the, the question is not when the rapture of the church is going to take place. The question is not, are we close to the end of, of the world as we know it? The question is not, you know, what kind of persecution we're going to go through. The question is, what does our relationship with Jesus Christ look like? Is it right? Is it in order? Are we where we need to be with the Lord? Okay. I want to have more than just a ticket. Amen. I want, I want to 
to be in the front car. I want to be right there. Uh, one old preacher said, I want to be, I believe it was Brother Brian, that used to say, I want to be under the spout where the glory comes out. That's where I want to be, is right there. I want to be right there at the feet of Jesus. When, when that trumpet sounds, boom, I want to be right at his feet. That's where I want to be. And guys, we're not going to be that way if we if we keep, we, we, we step into the spiritual realm on Sunday, we step back into the world on Monday. We step back and forth, and back and forth. And the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. We need to be rooted and grounded in the Word of God seven days a week, not just on Sunday, but seven days a week. So we're going to close with that. And I want you to just be obedient to the Holy Spirit this morning. If God spoke to your heart, then you be obedient to Him. And whatever He asks you to do, you be obedient to Him. You see what He says. And, and again, I'm not trying to preach from a judgmental perspective other than just what I see going on in our world. And, and my former pastor used to say this a long time ago, at least 40 years ago. He said, America no longer blushes at anything. And that's trouble. That's trouble. That's I'm going to say this. We're almost at a point where the church doesn't blush at anything. And that's really bad. That's really bad. Sin is still sin. Just like it was in the Garden of Eden. It still is today. God is still God. He's still in charge. He's still in control. And we must trust in Him. Where is your Stand together for our time of invitation.